It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. And today's episode happens to be being recorded on Wednesday afternoon after the assault on the U.S. Capitol building as the Congress were undertaking the counts of the electoral votes to decide who would be the official president of the United States. And just as those things were being in receipt in the Congress, as Mike Pence oversaw it, people breached the Capitol grounds and literally broke in to the uh, the Capitol building, whereupon they bashed windows, they got in, they hung off of the edifice, as well as stuff inside. They sat around and decided to take selfies. It was absolutely surreal, taking selfies at Nancy Pelosi's desk. And... Uh, it was just weird. And as I thought to myself, I said, I, who are these people? These are pro-Trump people. At least that's what they say they are. they uh, That's what it looks like. I think that's fairly clear. And some people decided that they would try to do some disinformation and pretend or conjure up ideas that Antifa were there and infiltrating the mob that overtook the Capitol building, scared the hell out of all the lawmakers and the Capitol police who got them out in time before all the mobsters came in. And and I understand people are upset about the election. I I get that. Uh, However, you don't do anything to help your cause by being a thug and someone who frightens the same people you're trying to persuade. And I know some people will say, well, Victoria, that's the only thing that we had left to do. We've tried being nice. We're not going to be Mr. Nice Guy anymore. And this is the hill to die on, Victoria. And I get that. I understand where you're coming from. I think some of the election was stolen myself, personally. I think there was a lot to answer for about changing election rules, going to all-mail balloting, universal sending out of ballots when people didn't ask for them. It was asking for fraud, and fraud they got. But in addition to that, there were other things, I believe, that probably occurred then. I know there's been a huge effort to get people out to vote. Stacey Abrams in Georgia, the two Senate seats have been taken by the Democrats. These people are socialists, if not outright communists, and the uh, in the tradition of uh, r- the so-called Reverend Warnock, who, when he's not uh, hurting his wife in their dispute over their divorce, um, is uh, making sure that kids get hurt at camp and is an anti-Semite. That's a great guy to send to Congress, for God's sake. Come on. But even if you're upset about all that, and you should be, frankly, uh, we have not just been schlepping into Gomorrah. We have not just been just nudging around the sides with socialism, we are now actually at a full trot into socialism, no doubt. And I think a lot of people are upset about it. And they decided they they would go to the state capitals and the Washington, D.C. capital, our federal seat, and make their their, uh, concerns known. Uh, Sadly, they decided to breach the capital and commit acts of violence vandalism, that sort of thing. That makes them a mob. Now imagine if the Democrats and the media had been denouncing this kind of violence all along. Do you think that the right people, meaning the right-leaning protesters slash rioters today, when I'm recording this, would have been empowered to do this kind of act This kind of takeover of the Capitol right now, do you think that would have happened? And I submit to you in a piece I just got done for PJ Media, no, I don't. And in fact, the cities were burning, remember? I'm not doing a moral equivalence. I am not. I denounce the violence in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday. Of that, there is no dispute, no doubt People who committed acts of violence, who did things that were illegal, should go to jail and be prosecuted. But then again, if the acts of violence over the last spring, summer, and fall had been treated like the way in which we believe these kinds of thugs should be treated, we wouldn't have had this instance in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday. It's my belief. 
I'm not laying at the feet of all Democrats and the media the responsibility for people's individual actions, but doggone it, I think they gave them a very, very easy way to make a case for, hey, you guys weren't saying it was bad when Antifa and BLM were doing it, so why would you even hesitate to embrace it now? Well, we know why, because it's a double standard. And I'm going to talk to Sabo. He's a street artist who has been in Washington, D.C., for this particular uh, rally that they had on Wednesday that President Trump presided over. He was the main speaker at a big rally for all these people who came to Washington to say, we don't want any fraud. We don't want election fraud, blah, 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 blah. And then those same people, or at least some of them, breached uh, Capitol Security. And um, if you'll go see, look at my look at my story, you'll see the video of it, the very first breach of Capitol Security. The cities were burning over the summer and the fall and last spring. Police stations were torched with cops still in them. Small businesses were looted. Large businesses were looted. Lasers blinded police officers. Molotov cocktails were served up on a nightly basis. Courthouses were attacked, assaulted defaced, vandalized. People were felt to be unsafe. Others boarded themselves into their buildings, closed their businesses just to stay out of the ire of the, the rioters. Now, the media and the Democrats called the rioters mostly peaceful. Remember that? District attorneys were and continue to set those rioters free. The person who is going to sit at the vice presidential mansion at the Naval Observatory sent bail money to Antifa and Black Lives Matter protester rioters. Bail money to get them out so they could do it, keep keep doing it. This is what was going on. The right is looking at this, and once again, I am not giving them any sway whatsoever. I am not giving them a, uh, it's not a moral equivalence. I'm not endorsing what they did at all. But if the nation would have come together at the time that Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, and other cities, uh, Kenosha, if they had stood up before Kenosha, we wouldn't be where we are today. But the left has actually encouraged this behavior. And as I thought about it and I cast about looking for examples on Twitter today, I found several examples about why it is that the left simply has not done what it needs to do to denounce this kind of thuggish violence. I found examples in Wisconsin. No, not Kenosha. 2011. Madison. When teachers unions from all over the country came to occupy the state Capitol building in Madison and ruined the Capitol building, did tens of millions of dollars of damage to that building and the grounds. And in their effort to get rid of Scott Walker, then governor of Wisconsin, and, and, and people were outraged by it, but not, nobody on the left was outraged by it. There weren't people saying, we must denounce this violence. We must stop this violence. No, they were not there. I denounced the violence that happened on Wednesday at the U.S. Capitol building. I denounced frightening the lawmakers. There's got to be a better way to do it than intimidation and terrorism. There's got to be. If there isn't, then we're in the wrong business of persuasion. But that's what happened, because guess what? Those people, and I don't know who those people are, and I've got news for you. I don't recognize those people, figuratively or literally. I do not recognize these people. But I think I was telling you about Sabo and how he's at the U.S. Capitol. We're going to hear from him about what was going on, because I just began hearing a smattering of, hey, you know, there's something happening at the Capitol building at this point in time. Do you know anything about that? And he was in front of the Capitol building, but he said it must have been on the other side because he didn't have a clue.
didn't know what was going on because he was going to put up some of his artistic works that he's so want to do. And we'll hear from him coming up in just a bit. But I have to tell you, just because one side uses terroristic tactics to make its point doesn't mean that the other side ought to do that. But here we are. Here we are. And this is what happened on the Capitol on Wednesday. And you know what? I have to say, to some extent, they've got a point. Because you and I both know that there has been a double standard with respect to the rioters from Antifa and Black Lives Matter the whole time they've been in existence, much less today or yesterday or the day before or the summer or the fall or the spring. There's a double standard. The media don't call them mobs. The media don't call them rioters. They call them mostly peaceful protesters. Well, you could say that what happened in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday was mostly peaceful. That is right up until the point where they burst into the Capitol building by breaking windows and and bursting through police lines. That doesn't make it right. It's still wrong. Remember when those women, I say those women because it was mostly overwhelmingly women, came to the U.S. Capitol building and and tried to break into the U.S. Senate chambers during the confirmation hearing for Brett Kavanaugh. They took over people's offices. They blocked the hallways. They cajoled lawmakers. They tried to intimidate them. They caused damage. Were they called rioters or terrorists? No. No, they were not. Oh, they have a justifiable need to buttonhole any congresswoman and congressman to make sure that they hear their message. And they had cute little sayings instead of, hey, treason, 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 which is what the folks on Wednesday were saying as they broke in, accusing the lawmakers of committing treason because they were endorsing, it was believed by them, a false election result, which was unconstitutional. This is the way they were thinking. And I uh, I understand it, actually. I, I do. I just don't think this is the way to fix it. Mark Stein, who's hilarious and wonderful, has said that election fraud is the hill to die on. We just didn't expect anybody to actually have to shed blood to do it. He was saying it figuratively. This is the biggest thing you can do to save your country, to make sure that there's not election fraud, of which there is a lot of evidence, by the way. The leftists who like to listen to this podcast, great, welcome, glad you're here. There was election fraud, and it started with Pennsylvania deciding to go for universal mail-out ballots to anyone who may possibly squinted and said, you know, I might move to Pennsylvania or Nevada or Arizona. I might just do that. I think I should have a ballot. It was BS and you know it. And that caused distrust. And that caused problems. And what do we have? We have people so upset about this. They are willing to go and knock heads at the U.S. Capitol building. But that's what they did for the Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh hearings. They they made up stories about Brett Kavanaugh. They literally made up stories. Oh, he gave out red cups filled with roofies. He had uh, gangbangs. He had parties where they had organized gangbangs. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. They brought out Christine Blasey Ford. Oh, excuse me. Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who lied her ass off in front of the U.S. Senate. Has she ever been brought up on perjury charges? Her family, have they still disowned her over this stunt? It was BS. He'd never even met her. Now, the teachers, the anti-Brett Kavanaugh people, the rioters, left behind millions of dollars in damage to the buildings and grounds, the places where they laid siege. Just like Wednesday's riots, will the people on the right be treated differently than those on the left? This is, right, the basic thing, the rule of law. Is it just? Is it just us? Or is it just us? 
Supporters of uh, President Trump were convinced that the November election results were some, they were surreal. How do you not have a guy who actually campaigns win an election? Come on. He barely campaigned. He could barely string a couple of sentences together. But I will give Joe Biden some credit. Joe Biden beat President Trump to the microphones today to give a spiel about how he would denounce this violence. Thanks, Joe. Thanks a lot for denouncing the violence. Where were you last May and in the summer and in the fall? Oh, well, sort of nibbling around the edges. Well, you know, the... We ought not do that. And yet, what were they doing? Oh, wait, I have notes. What was, He barely denounced it. But let me uh, tell you who was encouraging it. Remember um, when the it, Michigan congresswoman said there needs to be unrest in the streets? Remember when Kamala Harris said protesters should not let up? Remember when Nancy Pelosi said, I just don't know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. And, of course, there's the old Maxine Waters, you know, push back on them, tell them anybody, tell tell them, get a mob and, and tell them they're not welcome here. That was before all this stuff started. But they're getting egged on. The whole Democrat apparatus has been egging these things on. Hell, they're probably paid by these people. And why wouldn't you? They were doing what you wanted. They were softening the the opposition. They were putting the police back on their heels. They were putting forth their policy ideas of defunding the police. They were advancing what their ideas were. So why in hell wouldn't they support that? And that's what they were doing. It wasn't right. (laughs) Of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. So bashing in windows and destroying barriers, yelling treason. I mean... If this had been leftists doing this, they would have called them mostly peaceful. Somebody got shot. A woman. I saw. Have you seen the video of this? Uh, it's in my PJ Media. St- oh, no. Is it my PJ Media story? Or is it just in our uh, live blog? Well, I mean, my God. Somebody shot that woman in the neck. And she freaking bled out on the, on the floor of the Capitol. Did you see that? It's hard to watch. You don't want to watch it. Somebody shot that woman. Who the hell shot that woman? Was it the cops? Was it somebody who was an armed protester? I have no idea. Nobody does at this point, at least at the time I'm recording this. Was it worth her life? Now, there are things to bleed, fight, and die for. I get that. The United States of America, as we've previously known it, is one of those things. I don't think this was the right way to do it. I think you have to I think they I think the people on the right believe I mean these these people who did this today presuming they are the right people although there are some people who would like to say that there were some antifa in people who were infiltrated fine whatever the same tactics they're still horrible uh but they believe that that this is the way to do it this is the way to put forward a, a, a an idea a policy and why would they why would they be hold any different view? Why would they hold any different view? Because this has been rewarded for since more than longer than last last spring. As we've talked to you about on the Adult in the Room podcast on our Antifa versus Mike Strickland. This has been going on since 2016 and before there were violent protesters. But this is when the switch was pulled. This is when people in Antifa, Black Lives Matter, same people, by the way, just said, oh, okay, well, nobody's going to go after us. So we're just going to keep it up. And they did. And that's why Mike Strickland got caught up in all this. And to me, it seems as if they are going down the wrong path on the right, if they decide that those tactics are going to give them a moral authority, because they're not. They're not. So Joe Biden, he he beats uh, President Trump to the microphone. Trump had already recorded a message, which was horrible, by the way. And um, But Joe Biden 
denounced the thuggish mob, which he should have last year. And town hall colleague Katie Pavlich tweeted out, Biden has zero credibility on this issue. He and DNC stood by when American cities were burned by Antifa and BLM all summer. Please, they are both bad, both bad. He only condemned one. With this much um, bravado, yeah, the only one. But Trump did go out. Trump talked about the fact that, um, you know, go home, uh, be peaceful. Uh, you, you know, we love you. We understand you're upset. And we understand that you believe, as I do, that there was a stolen election here. He didn't really need to go there, frankly, on this, on this speech. That speech that President Trump should have said, should have used, should have been something like, we denounce all violence. You're being violent. You're not helping your cause. This is what I believe. And I believe you're being violent. You need to go. But oh no, it's like, you know, like the hostage negotiator gets there and they go, oh yes, we understand what your viewpoint is. We totally get that. And we're going to make it as right as rain as soon as you let one more hostage go. And that's pretty much the way the president sounded. He didn't sound strong at all. He needed to sound strong. The guy has been against all this street thuggery for months and months and months. In fact, since about when he was elected, remember when this started? About when he was elected. That's when Antifa started uh, being the domestic terrorists even more than they were. But he and he needed to actually go there. He needed to denounce that so so it would bring the country together, frankly. And he he didn't do it. He missed an opportunity. A missed opportunity. Oh, and by the way, Twitter, I'm looking at his I'm looking at his tweet. Twitter would not let anyone share the president's message. Do you know why? Because Twitter decided that what the president had to say would incite violence. Honestly, these people just think, they just think they're so superior to the rest of us. I would say ordinarily, well, that you know, words don't incite people to commit acts of violence and uh, terrorism, um, but apparently this is what Twitter thinks. Of course, they would never say that about, oh, I don't know, an Al-Qaeda guy. But they would say that about these people who committed this assault on the Capitol on Wednesday. The other thing is, and this just points up the difference between the left and right on this issue, for the most part. We, get underst we understand that people will draw moral equivalents. I understand that. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to be held responsible for your actions. So Kurt Schlichter, who was a guest on this program uh, not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, said on Twitter, he's an attorney. He goes, I'd suggest that the people who commit crimes, who committed crimes today at the Capitol should be treated exactly like the BLM Antifa rioters, except that won't work because I think the criminals today should be prosecuted and punished. All right, we're going to hear from street artist Sabo who does a lot of crazy, crazy art. He was out in Washington, D.C., putting up some of his posters, drawing on the sidewalks, that sort of thing, uh, during the rally for President Trump. And at the time I spoke with him on Wednesday, we were just getting word that some people had breached the Capitol. You might be surprised and amazed by some of the things the street artist Sabo had to say about what was going on out there. I apologize for some of the quality of the phone sound and a language warning. Womp, 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 language warning. What are you doing with your signs and what do they say? It says off with, your, off with their heads and stop the steal. But uh, there's a very specific poll that I rivet them on. But this goddamn city doesn't have very many of them. So I'm walking around looking for one of these polls. Do you know anything about the attack on the Capitol? It's said in the news that there are a bunch of people trying to break into the Capitol building right now and Capitol Police are having a conflict with them, officers are getting hurt. Do you know anything about that? 
Apparently, they're storming. They broke through the barriers and they're going to the Capitol. Now, what kind of a look is that, Sabo? I don't give a fuck. These people, you know, it doesn't matter. Look doesn't matter anymore. Uh, you know, the only thing that's humbled us, the only thing that really keeps Republicans in the doghouse is we give a fuck. Are you there? I'm here. I'm listening to you. Oh, that's right. You know, it's like enough with the niceness. These people just stole the fucking election and they probably stole the one in Georgia, too. It's like, you know, uh, the whole, uh, oh, what's it look like? Who gives a fuck? Storm the fucking thing. Pull them out. Fucking tar and feather them. Who the hell cares? I, I think people care about the Constitution, and I think they care about the way this uh, will, if in fact Trump is out, which it looks like he is, uh, what this will mean for whatever legacy he has. There is no legacy. If, if they win this one, if we don't change the electoral system, uh, there's no legacy. It's over. You know, it's communist, belongs to China. So it's, it's a lot more difficult than that. It's not even Democrat and Republican anymore. It's, it's patriots versus globalists. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, what drew you over to Washington, D.C., Sabo? Well, I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to be of service to Ali Alexander. He's the one that uh, put on the... Uh, stop the steel rally mm-hmm. and uh you know I, I drew like a 300 foot or 100 yard sign that says stop the steel with chalk and they might actually fill it in with paint later do you suppose anyone would get arrested if they besmirch your sign after it's it's painted in place um i think like they the- want to get arrested <laughs> yeah i think so too what is it what is the atmosphere like in Washington at the Capitol where you are now? There's a lot of people here, a lot of very positive people. Have you seen the likes of Antifa anywhere that you're aware of? No, I haven't seen one that I'm aware of. I suppose they come out at night. Uh huh. You haven't seen any Proud Boys? No. What do you think of us? I'm sure they're here. They're just not wearing Proud Boy colors. Um, the Enrico Terrio situation where they just uh, said, well, you know what? You're under suspicion of something, so you can't come into the city. What the hell is that? Well, I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on that, and I really don't know. I, I hear he had some high-capacity magazines on him. Now, why the hell someone would carry a high-capacity magazine and no gun is beyond me. A lot of people think that maybe he got set up, but uh, they just I, they just didn't want him here representing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's uh, dangerous or something, but Antifa can stay. You know how it works. It's called a double standard. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how it works. What are you going to be doing for the rest of the day at the Capitol, Sabo? I'm going to try and put these signs up, and uh, that's about it. You know, uh, uh, can you give me one second? Someone's trying to find me. Sure. Uh, okay, one second. And the crowd goes wild. Okay, uh, what do I plan on doing? I, I plan on experiencing this. This is probably the most, you know, uh, they, they went and pissed off the average man. And that's that's where they fucked up. Uh, it pisses me off one thing. I'm a wonk. I'm a political wonk. But these are the people that run mom and pop stores. These are the people, these are your mom and dad. You know, uh, and Tifa are the kids that live in the basement. And they, they don't want pissed off mom and dad. And now mom and dad are going to the Capitol. Some of them are storming it. God bless them. <laughs> okay, so you're going to be wandering around there all night, all night long? Are you going to wait to see what happens after dark? Because you know what happens after dark. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an adventurous soul. It's like uh, uh, the last time I was here, you know, the Proud Boys were pretty much running around looking for a fight. And it's like, you know, I'm a little too old for that. You know, I guess if I was 26, it'd be cool. But, uh, well, good luck. Don't get hurt or arrested. Well, I'm going to try not to. Um, I just really want to get rid of these signs because they're heavy as hell. Were you you at the speech today by President Trump? And what did you think of it? No? I was busy. I think President Trump talks way too goddamn much. It's like, dude, you can't go bitching about uh, internet uh, censorship when you were the president. You 
You had four years to do something about it. It's like everyone else. No one does anything until it hits them. It's like, you know, they took my Twitter, my Instagram, my PayPal, my uh, Facebook years ago. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, no one cares. You know, and now he cares. Sorry, buddy. Uh, a day late, a dollar short. <laughs> do you have a lot of friends there today? Yeah, a lot. Unfortunately, I can't really meet up with them because, you know, it's just I, I have work to do. What do your uh, signs? What do your signs say, Sabo? Stop the steal and uh, off with their heads. Right, and then uh, do you have nice pictures that you usually put with them on there? Not until they get put up. <laughs> okay, and uh, well, how will we see them? Facebook. Uh, well, well, you know, I still have I have a backup Instagram. They took my Facebook away. That they they took away my personal one a couple weeks ago. But I don't care. I didn't want it anyways. Fuck them. Yeah, I I am. Um, I didn't realize that. I should check you more. That's amazing. I didn't realize that they'd taken that one down as well. Yeah, I, I tried. And I was like, go ahead, ban me. They gave me four 30-day bans with no ban at all. I mean, I was like immediately right back on. They were doing everything in their power to not throw me off the site. And it's like, I, I don't want to support Zuckerberg anymore, not in any way. Mm -hmm. um, where are you located right now? This is going to play later, but uh, is it, where are you located right now? I'm in front of the Capitol, like maybe uh, three blocks away from it. Uh huh. Do you see any uh, rustling around with the cops? Any in intensified response at all? No, not until uh, not until I get a little closer. Okay. All right. Anything else I need to ask you about that I haven't asked you about? No, no. And for, forgive me for being so short, but my phone's just like going crazy while I'm talking to you. Uh huh. No worries. Thanks, Sabo. And here's the way it sounded when the people breached the Capitol building. And this is one of the first videos that I saw right before I talked to Sabo. And it got worse. And then as we are recording right now, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fallout to this, Twitter has decided to completely lock Donald Trump out of his account on their on their platform. This is just ridiculous. Twitter just killed itself. Honestly, there are so many people who are going to jump off. Not that they will be sad about that, probably. But I know that a lot of people have migrated over to Parler. I know I have. I'm still on Twitter, of course, and I'm on Facebook. <clears throat> I've got like three pages over there. And I've got the Adult in the Room podcast page. I've got the Victoria Taft show page. And I've got Victoria Taft over there. And I'm on Minds. I'm M-I-N-D-S. I am on MeWe which actually has taken off quite a bit too, and Parler as well, under Victoria, at Victoria Taft. But this is going to have reverberations of all kinds. And of course, it does begin to uh, have a line of demarcation is uh, to censor speech by the president of the United States. And now they're asking, demanding, in fact, that he go back and stop tweeting uh, and erase tweets that he, they, they say Twitter says they incite violence, please. I mean, come on. Is this America? No, apparently it's not America anymore. When they decided, and let me just say this, I, I'm not a big fan of Proud Boys and I'm not a big fan of Patriot Prayer and those guys, because generally speaking, it turns out that, you know, even though they have free speech events and they sort of wait for Antifa to come, okay, we're going to have a free speech event and we're going to wait for Antifa to come. And, they, and Antifa started all this, okay? And I will say that unless Antifa shows up, there never is violence. It's a free speech rally or the police keep them separated and there's never any violence until Antifa shows up. So the guy who's the, in charge of the Proud Boys, his name is Enrico Terrio. He's a white supremacist, though he may be, though he is black and he's, um, uh, where is he from? Cuban? He's Cuba? Haitian? Something like that. Uh, he's a man of color. So apparently he's a white supremacist. And oh, these are the same people who call him a white supremacist who get in the face of a black cop and tell him 
what a racist he is. I mean, this is happening on the streets of America all the time during Antifa riots. Be that as it may, he was kept out of the Washington, D.C. area because they said he was um, you know, suspected of bringing in a, uh, a some sort of uh, a magazine of, of uh, bullets without a gun, apparently. not You know, bullets don't actually fire themselves. Are they aware of that? And uh, we don't even know if that story is true. Uh, but then they said, well, you can't come in because you're a dangerous person. Ain't nothing started unless Antifa starts it until today. And now they don't have that moral authority anymore. Now they don't have that excuse. I used to be able to say, well, you know what? I don't agree with those guys. I think they should just leave town because I know that this is a free country and I know that they should be able to have First Amendment rights. But damn it, every time they show up, if Antifa shows up, there's violence. Don't stop announcing your rallies. Or, I mean, do something, you know what I'm saying? And of course, that's not a, that's not doable. But the point is that you can't keep somebody you can't keep somebody out of a city because you think that they might be, well, you know, they might be bad. You have to have proof. You know, the president has to have proof that there was election fraud. There's a lot of proof. There's not wholesale proof, but there's a lot of proof. And so he keeps presenting it and nobody's listening. Oh, there's not enough proof here. And uh, so it stands to reason that you might want to have Mayor Muriel Bowser bring forward some of the proof that she says she has against Enrico Enrique Terrio, who's the black and Hispanic leader of uh, Patriot or Proud Boys. You'd think she'd have to have some semblance of evidence, but no you know what? It's America, I think. Well, there we are. And so I'm not drawing a moral equivalence. I'm not. Because people who did what they did on Wednesday should go to jail. That's the difference between the left and the right, or at least me and the left. Okay, so stick around. It's time for Antifa versus Mike Strickland. I hope you will stick around because the trial has started. You'll hear some of the testimony from their star witness, who's the star witness before they bring in the other star witness who's a surprise witness. Ah, so much to talk about. All right. Get in touch with me, Victoria at victoriataft.com. Ask some questions. Give me your feedback. Please rate this podcast five stars on your Apple podcast app because we're playing the little game that, um, you know, the, the little algorithm game. So we have to do that. Please leave a great, great and glowing review. Antifa is hitting it hard and intentionally giving me low ratings, even though this is a fantastic podcast. So you just have to outweigh their bad reviews. They're purposeful bad reviews. I wonder if they even listen. Okay, so I'm not whining. I'm just telling you what the truth is, okay? I will also keep you updated at victoriataft.com on the new home of where you can find our Antifa action figures, the mockery of the Antifa action figures, and they're fantastically drawn. We'll put them on T-shirts and cups, at least initially. I had you going over to Zazzle, but Zazzle decided to get rid of them because they were, um, they, they were politically incorrect, they have Antifa flags on Zazzle. You know, the violent mobsters? Yeah. But they would not me allow me to parody and use satire to mock the block. Double standard, baby. It's what it is. Antifa versus Mike Strickland. And I'll see you next time on the Adult in the Room podcast. Racist. I'm not a racist. You don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Put your hands on me. Oh,
Tripping off the building and hitting the concrete floor, searching for my soulmate. In the city of the roses, everybody's showing love, but my heart stays frozen. I just want to be chosen to be the single-handed reason that you wake up in the morning. I think about you when I'm all alone, and I don't know if I can make it through this on my own. Before the nightly riots we've seen in the news, there was one case. The first case, the case of Mike Strickland. Now at noon, another court appearance today for the man caught on camera waving a gun at protesters in Portland last month. And now he faces a lot more charges. Michael Strickland faces 21 counts connected to that incident. He was a journalist who was beaten by Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters. And he defended himself from the mob with his legal gun. And not a shot was fired. Our position hasn't changed. Our client's position has not changed. That he is not guilty, that he was using the um, weapon to protect himself, and he was doing so within his rights. The only one hurt that day in July of 2016 was Mike Strickland. And the only one punished was Mike Strickland, the victim. I'm of the firm and steadfast opinion that when they come for Strickland's rights, they're coming for mine next. See, Antifa says it's anti-fascist, but Antifa is really anti-First Amendment. It's going back to the street violence of the 1920s and 1930s as a technique and a tactic. And the court system doesn't realize it's happening. This is the story of Mike Strickland. The trial of Michael Strickland began in early February of 2017. In Multnomah County, Oregon, in the building that Antifa rioters and protesters have attacked for years, near the federal courthouse in downtown Portland, which came under assault by rioters in the summer. After jury selection revealed 30 to 50 percent of the jurors in the jury pool's deep animosity toward people who liked the Second Amendment and carried weapons, Strickland's attorneys regrouped. They decided to go with a bench trial, just a judge, hearing a case. Fair, right? Opening arguments. The day came when the two sides would begin their battle of logic, evidence, and ethics in the height of rhetorical tradition in its purest form. In a Multnomah County courtroom, the truth would out and the voices of the oppressed would be heard. Justice would finally vindicate the man who defended himself against the Antifa mob or vindicate the stories of those 10 people who were cited as victims of the evil Mike Strickland. 21 counts, 10 felonies. Mike Strickland was on the ropes before he began his court battle. As the Oregonian newspaper reported, the indictment charged Strickland with 10 counts of unlawful use of a weapon, 10 counts of menacing, and one count of disorderly conduct. The weapons charges were Class C felonies, and the menacing charges were misdemeanors. Each unlawful use of a weapon charge accused Strickland of attempting to use and possessing with intent to use a firearm against another. The menacing charge accuses Strickland of placing another person in fear of imminent, serious physical injury. The upshot was Strickland, then 36 years old, could have been sentenced to prison for more than 50 years. The prosecutors had months to prepare the case. The Sixth Amendment of the Constitution says that in criminal trials, a defendant has the right to face his accusers, face the victims for which he was charged. So naturally, when the proceeding opened, finally Strickland could face the people. Here are the names of all ten of Strickland's victims, one for each count. Victims who were advancing on Strickland when he felt impelled to pull his gun to back them off. No shot was ever fired. The mob backed off. The mob advancing on him became a mob of victims, including the man who Strickland says started it all, Benjamin Carenza. Another, Malcolm Chaddock, came around Strickland's back to be a peacemaker, he claimed, as the 400-pound Carenza came at his left flank. That's two of Strickland's victims. In the indictment, Strickland was given the identities of his eight other victims. Quoting from the indictment, A male with a large video camera and backpack with the words Live View on the back. Here's another. A male with dark hair, black shirt, and tan pants with a scarf around his neck. Another, a man with a green top, a dark backpack, and a white mask on his face. 
a male wearing jeans, a dark top, a backpack, a green cloth on his face, and a multicolor mask on top of his head. A male wearing tan pants, a blue jacket, and a red shirt, and an orange bottle. A man wearing a blue hooded top, dark pants, and a black messenger bag. A female with a black skirt, black top, and black cloth over her mouth. A female with dark hair and a black top and black pants. And who were these masked people? We have absolutely no idea, and neither did the prosecutors, because they never identified them for the benefit of the public or the person who supposedly victimized them, who, in the words of the indictment, put them in fear of serious, imminent injury. A man with a green top, a dark backpack, and a white mask on his face. A male wearing jeans, a dark top, a backpack, a green cloth on his face. A female with a black skirt, black top, and black cloth over her mouth. It was 2016. COVID was not a thing. No masks yet. Why were so many of his victims wearing masks? Because they were black blocked out and part of Antifa. Among them, Ben Carenza whose surveillance video shows conspired with other protesters to attack Strickland. And it's not something that just the video showed. Ben Carenza actually verified that in court. You'll hear it yourself. Strickland knows this. He knows the conspiracy was hatched because he's the one who obtained the video from the government in a public records request. He relates what he found out in my interview with Strickland in the fall of 2020. On the Hatfield surveillance video, and again, I have a video on this on my YouTube channel, Laughing at Liberals, you can see them huddling up and putting on their masks, formulating their plan right before they come in and get me. And Ben Carenz is claiming he didn't know who any of these people were who came up to him for whatever reason and viewed him as the central guy who they should tell this to. And they bought it. I guess so. So Karenz is basically saying, yeah, we approached him and uh, we asked Michael to leave. That's what he's saying. We and, a- and asked him actually, to leave. What did he actually tell you? You, you How it actually went down? Yes. Well, he's coming up behind me and pushing and shoving me and screaming, get the fuck out of here. And, and on, on what basis did he... I mean, on what basis did he say he had the authority to do that? That's what I was hoping would be asked of him. That was not. I'm not a racist. Dude, don't get out of here. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Here's part of Carenza's testimony at Strickland's trial. You'll notice that the prosecutor gets out of the way at the beginning, the messy business of Carenza's lengthy criminal record, and his stints in state and federal prison for impersonating law enforcement officers, including an FBI officer. Swatting incidents at an Oregon hospital, bomb hoaxes to the Moscone Center during a huge tech conference in San Francisco, a U.S. Navy vessel, a packed movie theater, and other targets. Good morning. Thank you. Please be seated. Yes, sir. State calls Benjamin Carenza. Under the penalty of perjury, do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony about the this matter will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Have a seat. Your full name is spelled. My full name is Benjamin Jacob Carenza. It's B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-J-A-C-O-B-K-E-R-E-N-S-A. Okay. Switch Carenza. Did you attend a uh, Don't Shoot PDX rally on July 7th of 2016? Yes. Okay. How did you find out about it? Um, online. Did you remember? Facebook. It was a Facebook invite. Okay. And do you remember what that uh, Facebook invite provided in terms of information about the rally? 
Um, I don't remember the content of the, the invite other than just the location and the name of the event. Um, it was a, a, because of the recent shootings in the U.S. of uh, African Americans by law enforcement. Why did you decide to go? I wanted to be supportive of the African American community, which has been struggling with uh, uh, the kind of uptick in, in shooting of African Americans that are unarmed by law enforcement. Um, there's a lot of um, distress in the African American communities around the U.S. right now. Okay. Um, when you went, um, were you particularly affiliated with any of the groups that were organizing the event? Um, not really. Um, so I have a casual affiliation with Don't Shoot Portland, but nothing formal. Okay. Were you aware there were other organizations that were present or going to be present at the rally? Um, I was in, not in advance, um, but yeah, not in advance, no. How about when you got there? Yes, I was aware that there were other groups and individuals there. Okay. And um, are you familiar with some of those organizations, just kind of generally? Generally, yes. Okay. Uh, do you have a particular affiliation with any of those? No. Um, let me ask you this. So back in uh, 2003, California, were you convicted of uh, a charge called threat to bomb? Uh, back in 2003. Um, I don't think that's the actual title of the charge, but um, I believe it was uh, threatening communication via interstate commerce. But well, yes, that was the that was the actual title. That's the statute. Yes. Okay. And then in 2008, uh, were you convicted of impersonating an officer or employee of the United States? Yes. Uh, and that was up here in Oregon? Yes. Okay. Anything about those convictions that's coloring your testimony today? No. About what happened on July 7th? No. Okay. Remember about what time it was that you got to the rally? I don't recall the exact time, no. Um, but it was before it started. Morning, afternoon, evening, night? Um, afternoon. Afternoon? Okay. Yes. Uh, and uh, how did you uh, dress when you were heading down? Um, I was wearing uh, black athletic pants, a uh, um, blue hoodie uh, at the when I arrived. A blue hoodie. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you have a bandana? Uh, I had one in my pocket when I arrived. Yeah. Did you ultimately put that bandana around your face? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, and why were you dressed that particular way? Um, to conceal uh, my identity. Um, there's a lot of video cameras. Um, uh, there's been instances of individuals that have, uh, have targeted activists and when they learn of their identity. You mean like on the internet by posting things? Yeah, like by posting videos, stalking them and harassing them. Okay. And so, um, by putting a bandana around your face, uh, you can, at least to some extent... Objection relevance. Well, they've made a big deal about these people with masks around their face, Mr. Krenza being one of those people. I wanted to explain it, the mask is not to threaten people or to scare them, he has a different reason for putting the mask on. They're trying to paint the mask as a sign of a threat or force against people. Your Honor, I'm asking, the objection was relevance as to why it's relevant to the crimes charged, and I have not heard a responsive answer to that. asking a question. Okay. Uh, Did you know Mr. Strickland before July 7th, 2016? I knew of him. I didn't know him personally. Okay. You knew of him? Yes. Um, when you got to the rally, did you see him there? No, not immediately. Okay. When you did see him, did you recognize who he was? Yes. Okay. Do you remember at what point it was that you became aware that Mr. Strickland was present at the 
yeah, I was uh, approached by um, some individuals that I guess could be described as maybe black bloc anarchist type um, who pointed him out from the position we were standing at when they approached me and pointed out that he was in the crowd. Okay. Are you affiliated with black bloc? No. And uh, what, what does that term, what does that mean, black bloc? Um, not an expert on this, but my understanding of it is uh, black Well, let me, let me ask you a different question. Okay. Um, in terms of the way they dress, that's more what I was asking. Is. They wear black clothing, um, generally uh, black masks to conceal their identity. Okay. Um, head to toe, all yeah, black? Similar. Yeah, all everybody's similar clothing. Okay. So they're indistinguishable as individuals. Okay. Um, do those folks uh, sometimes carry flag staffs with flags on them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do other people not associated with black blocks also carry flags, signs? Yes. Did you have a flag or a sign? No. Uh, did you have any weapons on you? No. Um, after it was pointed out to you that Mr. Strickland was um, present in the crowd, uh, what did you do? Um, well, the individuals who pointed out to me left briefly, um, and they had reapproached um, minutes later, and we discussed um, going to tell the, tell Michael to leave the event. In that short bit of testimony, Carenza did three things. He said he wasn't part of the group. And he said he wasn't involved in the group conducting black bloc tactics and was part of a conspiracy against Mike Strickland. Carenza spoke with specificity on the issues and then, during the rest of his testimony, suddenly developed a bad memory. Carenza developed amnesia about whether or not he'd laid a hand on Strickland. I'm not a racist. You, don't get out of here. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Do not put your hands on me. Why would Strickland, rolling his video camera, implore the 400-pound Carenza, don't put your hands on me, don't put your hands on me, multiple times? Another curious thing, Carenza, Mr. Specificity, shockingly couldn't, darn it, Remember the names of the people with whom he conspired to physically toss out Mike Strickland from a public event on a public street. The deputy DA runs a video showing Carenza putting his head together with the conspirators. And who are these uh, folks that you're meeting with here? Um, I don't know. I don't know all of them. I mean, I knew that one of them was an uh, individual named James Peach, but I don't know the identities of the others. Okay. That's the only person I knew that was in that group. Are these, uh, though, the black block folks that you had described yeah. previously? Yeah, that's, that's what I would describe them as, and I think most folks would. Okay. But you didn't know them personally? No. And I don't know the, what they identify as personally, but... Okay. You know who this individual is here? Um, White hair? It's difficult for me to see. Really small, so uh, I don't know who that figure is. Okay. From, no. <coughs> can you see the screen? I'm trying to. I can see the screen that the figure is really small. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what, what are you guys uh, talking about here? I don't recall the conversation. Okay. What was the general? idea of the Um, again, I don't know the specifics, but I do recall us discussing going to approach him to ask him to leave. Okay. And by him, do you mean Mr. Strickland? Yes. Okay. Um, do you recall, uh, discussing, um, injuring Mr. Strickland or fighting with him or causing any bodily harm to him? No, that was never discussed. So, 
as you guys leave this corner and head back into the crowd, what was your goal at that point? To try to get him to leave. By him, you mean Mr. Strickland? Yes. Okay. Here at this point in the video, what's happening? Um, and that's just we're walking towards the crowd. Okay. Okay, and you see uh, what the camera has just zoomed in on? It's at that same corner? Yep. On 3rd and Main? Yep. Okay. Uh, these the same folks you just described uh, earlier, the, the people who appear to you as black blocks? Yeah. Okay. Is this you standing right here? Uh, yes. The blue sweater and black pants. What What's in the... you got a bag here. A camera? A camera? Yeah. Okay. Were you uh, filming the event? Um, I took a couple photos. A couple, like still photos? Yeah, still photos, okay. yep. <coughs> Were you uh, photographing at this point in time, or was that no, earlier? No, it was, it was earlier, just of the speakers. Okay, and so these people kind of leading the walk are in uh, all black head to toe? It, yes, it appears most of them are. And then, um, can you describe what we're seeing here in this portion of the video? Yeah, so um, looking at the video, it appears that we've made it to Strickland. Um, based on my recollection of the events, um, when we were approaching the crowd, there was a lady um, kind of to my right, but towards the back of Strickland, and uh, she said something to the effect of, hey, what are you guys doing? And grabbed on my arm, and uh, Strickland turned uh, with his camera. It alerted him to what was going on. He turned, faced us. Um, I blurted out something to the effect of, you need to get out of here, you fucking racist. Um, within a matter of seconds, Strickland, holding onto his camera, his other hand, grabbed onto his waistband and grasped uh, what appeared to be a firearm. And then I... What did you do in response to that? I grabbed him and pulled him away from the crowd. Okay. And so in this part of the video, uh, we're seeing him kind of all so that's already happened that's happened and right after that happened as I noticed the firearm I yelled he has a gun to alert others so that they could take get to safety okay and uh, as he's backing up here you can see in this video were you part of the group um, I had moved towards the sidewalk you see, he's already down here, almost to Main Street. Were you? Where were you at this point, if you recall? I don't know. I wasn't watching the the clock, but I recall walking along the sidewalk, eventually reaching the crosswalk area there. Okay. And do you mean the uh, eastern sidewalk That's of Third Avenue? Yeah, directly in front of the Justice Center. Okay, so you were walking kind of down this area. That's correct. And the and Mr. Strickland was moving. West across Third Avenue towards that corner. Yeah, he kind of went diagonal away from the steps. Yeah. Is this you right here? That's correct. Stepping, Stepping off the, the sidewalk, yep. And what was your impression of the direction that Mr. Strickland was going at this point? Could you? I, I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, as you're stepping off the sidewalk, you're walking. Uh, West across Third Avenue. Right? right. So where did you think Mr. Strickland was heading at that point? Based on the direction, it appeared he was heading towards the uh, the elk statue, or at the very least, the the opposite corner that I'm on, um, based on the direction of his movement. Okay. And uh, the elk statue is about halfway between Third and Fourth Avenue on Main Street. Yes, I think so. so. So did you think that he was moving kind of in this direction to go up Main Street? That appeared to be the direction he was heading, yes. So why were you stepping off the curb? Um, I was stepping off the curb because I wanted to, he pulled a firearm, and then I wanted to make sure that he was uh, stopped by law enforcement. Okay. And he had pulled it at this point? Right? He had it pulled, he had grasped onto it in the crowd. When it what? Grasped onto it. Oh, grasped it. Okay. Onto the, yeah, which is why I pulled him out of the crowd. So I wanted to make sure that law enforcement had made contact with them. Okay. 
Was your intent at this point to attack Mr. Strickland? No. As I was yelling that he had a gun and trying to get people to call the police on him at that point. Okay. Um, how were you feeling at that point? I was alarmed. I was concerned uh, for the safety of the crowd. There were a lot of children and family that were there. It was a, a more family-oriented rally compared to many rallies, which are generally just adults. There were a lot of kids. Okay. Were you personally feeling afraid of Mr. Strickland? I was, I was concerned for my safety as well. My adrenaline was running. Um, yes. Your adrenaline was running, is that what you said? Yes. So we'll keep playing here. It appears you're kind of meandering your way out into Third Avenue here. That's correct. I'm keeping a pretty good amount of distance compared to a lot of the other people. And now at this point, you appear to have your head out and be backing away. What happened there? Um, Mr. Strickland had pulled out his gun and did a sweeping motion of the crowd, um, kind of sweeping and aiming the gun at um, everybody in his point of view. Okay. Did he point the gun at you? Yes. Uh, what did that feel like? It was scary. Did you think you were going to get shot? I was definitely concerned that he was going to shoot people. Okay. Were you concerned he was going to shoot you? I don't think so, no. This convicted felon, who had just attacked Strickland, and who didn't think Strickland was going to shoot him, was the prosecution's star witness the one the defense knew about at that point. More on that later. Oddly, the exacting witness couldn't recall the conversation, couldn't recall if he laid his hand on Strickland, as we'll hear later, couldn't recall the names of his co-conspirators, confirms they're in black block attire and that he is too. But he does remember that he was a hero and he saved the crowd from a gunman. But he didn't think he was going to get shot. Next time on Antifa versus Mike Strickland, that trial continues. Carenza's perjury and Antifa watcher Andy No makes an appearance. This week's episode of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is brought to you by VictoriaTaft.com. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by RC, and it is used by permission. Find RC on all social sites at Raps by RC. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by RC. Imaging for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. Logo by Heigeman Creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The Adults in the Room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved. <laughs>